Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened, your tray table is in an upright and locked position, and that you are ready to get weird and think different. Please prepare for takeoff. Today is Wednesday, June 10th, and it feels like we're living inside of a history book. I mean, seriously, we 2020 might go down as the most historic, action-packed, devastating year of the, what are we, in the 21st century? Of the 21st century. I mean, it started with a global pandemic uh, we now have you know basically protests around the United States and really all over the world in regards to Black Lives Matter it's scary scary times and it's hard to you know even look at the news over the course of this entire year and and find positivity or find things that um, you know are uplifting and Every once in a while, you're lucky enough to come across a person or a piece of information or something that, you know, has a little bit of energy, some positivity, some some life to kind of pull you out of the depths of despair. And I have found that. And it's our guest on today's episode. So today's guest, we have the lovely, the delightful Marvina Robinson, who is the founder and CEO of Stuyvesant Champagne. I said that right. I've been practicing Stuyvesant for a long time here now. So Marvina started Stuyvesant, um, really has been working on it for the last couple of years, um, but started putting the champagne actually into production um, really only in the last couple months even. Um, And so the name is derived from the neighborhood in Brooklyn in which she grew up. Um, And after starting a number of her own businesses and and ultimately now leaving a very stable career in the finance world on Wall Street um, she's now gone full into starting her own champagne brand and it's and it's taking off um, she's received some you know if you just look her up and Google Stuyvesant champagne you you find a number of different headlines and TV interviews and the brand has really caught fire you know right from launch here and she started it not with the intention of it you know, being something that was on shelves, but actually with a vision of opening a champagne bar and having it just be the house champagne that was served at the champagne bar. Um, but obviously, coronavirus and the world as we know it right now had some other plans. And so she's been able to to kind of pivot the, the launch of the brand and has not been slowing down, that's to say the least. Um, my interview with her was just absolutely awesome. Um, I'm starting to, I describe this group of people as my group of internet friends who I just, you know, see a story about them and save it and tuck it away for later. And, uh, I say, I want to be friends with them and I force them to be friends with me. So I reached out to, um, Stuyvesant on Instagram. They said, Hey, here's our email. Let's get in touch. Um, and we were able to make it happen. And I was so happy that we did because, uh, her, you know, Marvina's story is so inspiring and, was also fascinating. I mean, we talked a little bit about the production of champagne and 
um, her trips back and forth to France and, and the Champagne region of France and, you know, what it's like cultivating grapes and working with vineyards to kind of find the, the perfect match for, for her vision. And um, so that was that was interesting. We've talked about how she's marketed um, the brand, you know, here in the United States and, and where it's starting to take off. And, and we talked about her vision of, of where she wants to take it. And she was incredibly kind and and inspiring i found her just so inspiring as she she works around the clock and doesn't seem to ever stop um and you can see why she's you know having this success out of the gate that she is um so i i'm very excited for everyone to hear this interview and uh hopefully you can take some lessons from marvina and more importantly hopefully you can go and pick up a bottle of stuyvesant champagne to to pop when hopefully this this quarantine and um, this crazy year of 2020 uh, gets a little better and gives us something to celebrate. So with that, I will shut it down, shut it up, and present to you on this week's episode of Destination Different, Marvina Robinson of Stuyvesant Champagne. Hope you enjoy. called Stuyvesant Champagne and it's actually named after the neighborhood I was raised in, Bedford Stuyvesant. Why I wanted to start the brand is it really wasn't to go on shelves or anything. It was supposed to be private label because I'm in the process of opening up a champagne bar, mm-hmm. um, Coupette NYC. And um, I just decided, you know, as I was going through all the paper, you know, the whole process, mm-hmm. it became inquiries about putting on shelves. So I was like, you know what? Let's see where it goes. And it took off a lot faster than I expected, which is great. Um, so right now, you know, that's the the motion, the motive behind it. So I, I I will tell you that I did, especially with COVID. Oh, sorry. Especially with COVID, um, I actually um I actually pushed the bar back a little bit because I have to see mm-hmm. you know, what's what's it gonna be like. Not after. ideal time for bars. Yeah. So yeah, that's where it came from. Champagne bar, private label. And that's where I was supposed to be, but for whatever reason, it didn't have. It's it's uh, it took off, and I'm happy where it's going. So you've you've pivoted, and it seemed to have worked in in your favor here. So how long were you like thinking? You know, was this something that you has been a dream since you were you know started to drink champagne? Is this something that has? You know, how long have you really been like working on this this project now? Oh, I've been working on it for about uh, three four years. It's just been a slow project. Before this, I used to own a cafe, right? And the mm-hmm. cafe, um, the cafe was um, actually supposed to be a also be able to serve beer, beer, wine, actually champagne. Mm-hmm. But my my um, landlord at the time, he was being difficult with me, and I, you know, I just pushed it back. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what, I'm a, I push it back. I just say, you know, I closed the cafe, and I decided, okay, that's it. Like, what am I doing next? So then I launched my own independent business called Champagne and Things, where originally it was supposed to be the name of the bar, but it was just, it wasn't right. So I actually ended mm-hmm. up doing a cocktail catering business, which actually took off doing a series of pop-up bars all over Brooklyn last summer. And it just merged into its own, you know, business. And then I decided, and then as I started working, still working on the champagne, not really telling a lot of people. Yep. And I just decided, okay, like this is where it's at. And as I got closer is when I began to share, share what I'm working on. So it was a very long process, a very detailed process, and it's still ongoing. 
But, you know, I decided sometimes you have to put your product out there to really perfect it. You can't perfect it when it's still in pre-production mode because you don't get the feedback in X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah, you don't know. But, it you know, it sounds like you were kind of, you know, maybe not in the, the industry or like making champagne per se, but you were kind of surrounding the industry between like the cafe where you're working probably in like hospitality and then, you know, the, the pop-up bar. So how has that helped now like inform that your, you know, your current business and, um, you know, your plans for like a, opening up a champagne bar, like, you know, how did that experience kind of shape where you're, where you've taken it? Well, no, I, I was not working with champagne or even doing anything what I'm doing right now mm-hmm. in that time. I did used to bartend when I was younger. So I kind of knew about the industry from a bartender perspective, mm-hmm. um, which is why I always said I wanted to own my own space. Cause I kind of knew like what I like to do. Cause I, one, I used to, I don't do it anymore. I used to go out a lot. Yeah. And I would try different bars all over the world because I'm a big traveler. And to see, you know, I wanted to take bits and pieces of everything I like from like probably over 100 bars and bring into my space. So that was that. And then like, the sh- you know, like even with my pop-up bars, we never did anything with like regular drinks. Like mm-hmm. you can go anywhere and get a vodka and soda. So it was more like true mixology drinks. You know, I would infuse my own tequila to make like jalapeno um, tequila. I have, I'm really known for making a good rosemary vodka. Like I infuse okay. rosemary, especially with like, um, with grape, with, uh, um, grapefruit juice. It's like a, like an old fashioned Greyhound using like the spears as ice balls. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. And that's what I want to bring to the champagne bar. It's not going to be like a reg- first it'll be 80% champagne bar, but also you don't want to lose clientele by not offering other options. So that's right. what I believe in. Um, so it'll be something, it'll be, it's a, it'll be a venue where it will never cease to amaze you one and two, it'll be an, a unique menu. Okay. I mean that the rosemary vodka sounds unbelievable. It's actually delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds it. I want some. Um, it's actually delicious. So, okay. Before I jump into like the process of like making champagne, cause I have like a million questions on that. I got to mm-hmm. ask you first. So you're, you're a big traveler, like where maybe okay let's let's try and narrow it down top three bars or you know best places in the world where you've had a had a drink like are there there any that really stand out in terms of like inspiration for for you where you want to take your your bar Um, i would say definitely the ritz paris because they have amazing uh mixology mixologist bar and if you go there the best bartender sam okay Uh, number one sam (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> number two i would say in um france florence france there's a bar i don't it has no name or i don't even know the name but mm-hmm. it's like right off of one of the canals it's an amazing experience um i don't even know the name of it so i couldn't tell you that and number three ooh, i'm gonna say outside of the united states um you know what, when I was, you know, it's not really a unique drink or unique bar experience. I would say this place is more about the atmosphere. So I would say um, it was, it's more uh, in Anguilla, being able to sit off of like a, um, at a bar looking over the cliffs. I think mm-hmm. it was more the atmosphere and the drink and like it all vibed together. Okay. All right. That sounds like a pretty good mix. Yeah. So- so now I want to get into, you know, it sounds like this has been a long process, like getting to an actual product. Um, how has that been? And like, where do you even know how to start of like, obviously you've drank champagne before, but like, how do you then go into the process of 
of actually making it, of finding the grapes, of finding a, um, you know, a farmer to somebody to make it. Like how, how did you begin that search? Well, yeah, exactly. That's like the hardest part right there. Mm-hmm. So one, you know, you can't do it from the United States. So you got to go to France and you got to go, you know, I actually made the introduction through a friend, right? A friend, I'm, this was a, a drunken night one night in Paris and five o'clock in the morning and another fellow friend or acquaintance, because he wasn't a friend at the time, was, we were talking about, we're both over the bar. He was actually in the process of opening up a bar in Congo. Mm-hmm. So we were swapping stories. And he's like, what's, what do you ultimately want to do? I said, you know, I need, I need my own house brand champagne. And you know, champagne can only be called champagne if it's grown in the champagne region. So it's very specific. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's like, well, I can help you with that because he had connections. So he started the introductions. And from there, I kind of like took it over. A lot of people don't want to work with you. One, you know, they're like, no, 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 no. And then it's like a, it's like being in a relationship, right? You have to see if, if, if the vineyard you want to, you work with to produce your product is going to see your vision, you know, be able to, for me, I am big, right? I, before I finish one question, I got another question yeah. because I have so many visions of what I want to do is, and making sure that they're open-minded because sometimes some people are very structured or maybe it's something new and different and mm-hmm. people are not used to change. And this process was definitely going to be a change process, not in process, but as in visions. So that was one of the key things and the hardest part, which took over a year and then coming to terms and figuring things out and then starting to figure out taste things. That's ultimately what really is, is the actual process and stuff. Like okay. That. So did you land on like one particular vineyard that you get all of your product from? Is it a, a mix of things? Like, no, is it just- I do not, I do not mix. I only work with, I've partnered with one vineyard. So we work together hand in hand. Um, and, and that's how we go. I would not, do a mix of anything because you want to make sure that you get the same quality. So mm-hmm. I only work with one, one vineyard and we just, we bounce ideas off of each other. We, you know, they take what I'm thinking of and cause we're, we currently only have 750 milliliter bottles. So we're working on a Magnum bottle mm-hmm. and we're working on a mini bottle. So you have to, I, for, for me, it was more about, are they going to be open to implementing and putting things that I want to create in place? Cause it's something that they don't do. Right. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a give and take. Um, this is maybe a silly question, but, and maybe very dumb no question. questions are silly. All right. Not okay. So uh, obviously grapes, you know, probably get picked at a certain time of the year and, and then at the harvest season. So are they then, is it like each season you're kind of relying on that batch of grapes? Like I know wine is obviously aged and you might harvest, you know, grapes from 1982 and those are still being like. Oh, look, I said a vintage, yeah. So what happens is you, you have your, your season of grapes and some people have mixed vintages where they can mix grapes. So when you charge, let's say when you go and buy a bottle of champagne, it's only, I'm only speaking from a champagne perspective specifically because mm-hmm. sometimes terminology from one, from one wine to another might be different. Yeah. Uh, if you have mixed grapes or if you have a grape from one year, that's considered your vintage. So for my brand specifically, I, they're non-vintage. The, the ones that I have out now, uh, the Grand Reserve Brut and also the, the Brut Rosé is, is non-vintage. So it's mixed grapes from different years. Okay. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. So you're not necessarily reliant. Like if there was a terrible harvest in 2022, it wouldn't necessarily be like the end of your business because you know you it would be still... a problem for me it would be a problem it will be a problem yes okay so we hope we're hoping for for good harvest but yes. um 
I, so you mentioned that you have, you have the grant. So what is it? You have the grand reserve and then the Rose are your two yes. sort of varieties. And I had mm-hmm. read, I had read on you that, uh, you did kind of like a taste, you brought back a number of different options sort of and held like a tasting party in, uh, in New York city. So how did that experience go? Like, you know, how many options did you bring back to ultimately whittle it down to two? Do you then want to expand upon that in the future and, and kind of open up different, um, options going forward? Like how was that, that process? So basically what I had, I had, uh, samples, right? So I've tasted them already, but I always think like everybody's palate is unique. So what I like, you may not like, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I also like to think is when you make this, this is also only from my opinion, my perspective, when you make decisions and it's a consumer's market, you actually want to have a mixed group of feedback. Because mm-hmm. if you just go on yours, you have one, one feedback. So I invited several people, people who are very knowledgeable of wine, some in the industry, some not in the industry, because everybody's drinking this drink. Everybody that I want to drink my product is not going to be a champagne, you know, experts right. so we want to get a mix of people so i think it was more about only no more than 10 people i did it at the brooklyn navy yard and what i did is i had two four i had a total of one, two, three, i have sold of four stations and it mm-hmm. were blind blind tastings right so stripped everything off the bottle i only put like a name on it so they know what they were tasting everybody had a note card and there was a box they could just drop it and they had to put them no name on it. They could taste it and you know, put their honest feedback on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just go round and round the table. And if you decided it was between two, because one question I, I did ask them, I asked them to rate what you like from best to least. So they mm-hmm. would have to go, you know, sometimes people needed to really taste it back to back. And that was it. And, and then I got the independent feedback, you know, read over the reviews. And then from there is where I made my decision what I want to move forward with first. Okay. Do you have a favorite amongst the two or is there, is it like, picking a favorite kid it is like picking well you know what it is like picking a favorite kid and these are my kids but unfortunately grand reserve is my favorite kid and that's because that's my palette you yeah. know i like brute though i like rose if i had to pick between the two i'm a brute person okay all right that's fair would you ever you know i i, I don't know because I, I i'm not a huge champagne drinker but like is there would you be insulted if somebody made a mimosa out of it or is that like that's fair game Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, of course. I'm into champagne cocktails. So it's funny you bring that up. I actually just completed a book, champagne cocktails. Okay. So it's going to be out for the fall. You wrote the book? Yeah. I actually, I told you I used to make drinks. I used to be a bartender mixologist. So I actually made the drinks. So now we're about to work on the visuals. Um, I have to edit like probably three or four recipes because I'm working with some, um, some different vendors with their, um, with some, some different mixers and stuff like yep. that. So I'm going to edit some recipes to include them in, in the book. Bitters. I found this is, this is a company called El Guapo Bitters. Okay. Um, amazing. They will change the taste of your drink. What do you drink? What do I drink? I, I a lot of whiskey and a lot of tequila, probably my two like go-to cocktail type drinks. Tequila. You like orange juice? Like, what do you like to, in your drinks? Are you a fruit or just like it straight? I usually just go straight for the most part. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. I know. I know. I know. I know. Like a whiskey. I don't know. Like a whiskey. I go with like a whiskey sour, a whiskey ginger ale. Like if I were to mix something. Mm. I'm not a whiskey drinker. I'm not a brown mm. liquor drinker. Brown liquor is kind of hard to really mix with, to be it's honest. That's true. Because that's a, a very powerful taste. I'll Unless go like te- take- tequila and ginger beer sometimes I'll mix in. Yeah, that's a good one. Unless you do something with like a dark liquor. Maybe a bourbon, muddle it with like fresh thyme, mm. muddle it and then put it with ice. That's actually a really good drink. 
your jalapeno tequila you mentioned earlier that sounds yeah so i, I, I get down with that i i did a jalapeno um jalapeno margarita so it's it, i don't like spicy but that's the crazy part yeah. So um, I've infused it. It's actually really good. And you can always change the taste with bitters and stuff like that. So I'll send you a recipe, but you got to okay. give me about a week. I'll send you a good recipe. All right. So is this book like just a whole book full? Of, how many recipes are in this book? Six. Right now it's 60 recipes. I am. Wow. I'm going to take two recipes out and probably add like five more. So it might be 63. I might just round it up to an even 65. Okay. That's impressive. And mimosas are always good. Okay. I didn't know, I didn't know if that was like a sensitivity of like that, you know, you know, ruins the champagne taste if you, if you're adding stuff to it. So I didn't know if there, if you had an opinion it's on that. people's preference. I personally don't like Momo, don't care for mimosas because I'm not a big fan of orange juice unless it's freshly squeezed. Mm-hmm. But um, mimosa is always a good thing. And so as I, if I ever have a mimosa, I, be, I always say very light on the OJ. <laughs> Just a little splash. Just a little baby splash. Exactly. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so I got to ask, you know, how is, obviously you're going, it sounds like you're going back and forth to France. You're going back and forth to the Champagne region. Like mm-hmm. how is your, can you speak French? How is your French, you know, communicating with you know, vineyards in France and as an American woman? Google Translator is my best friend. <laughs> so yeah, Google Translator is my best friend. And believe it or not, you know, like a lot of people speak French, speak English. Mm-hmm. So, and if not, it's enough to get me by where I can point or I type in on my phone um, what I need and it just translated for me in, in my head. Like I, I woke with my headphones and I just say it in French. Okay. So it's, but technically I can speak French, but delayed because I have to type in my, um, type yeah, in my, you get, my the, you get by, you get by. Yeah. All right. Um, so maybe shifting gears just a little bit here. Like I want to talk about kind of how the business has evolved and it's, you know, it sounds like this was kind of something you were doing in the background for a while. And um, at what point, I, I like to ask this because I have a lot of like entrepreneurs or people who are starting their own thing, who, who I think like listen to this show. And um, like, was there a specific point where you're like, I'm done with what I'm doing. I, this is the only thing I can commit myself to. Or was it a slow burn that you were like, eventually it was just becoming bigger than you could handle as like a part-time thing. You know, how did that transition go to really making this your your full-time focus? So I will say I worked in the finance industry um, on Wall Street. And my passion for finance began to decrease. Mm-hmm. And this passion began to increase. So um, I, I last year, March, March of 2019 is when I left. And I haven't, you know, I returned a little bit for consulting, but then I was like, my passion, my drive is not there anymore. So that's mm-hmm. when I kind of know, like, this is it. And I, I said, you know, if I fail, if I don't succeed, then I always have the education and experience to fall back and always go back into my industry. Right. Yeah. You can always, you know, you, you're at least you gave it, gave it a shot if it doesn't work, but you can kind of, you can go back if you need to. Yep. Um, does, I guess, you know, how has that been, evolving the business so you know it starts out as your vision and have you brought on team members to help you you've obviously you know you work with the vineyards in france but have you brought on like team members to help you with marketing or pr or sales or whatever it might be um to kind of help you grow the business we are a very small team so i have not really expanded out it's like three of us and Mm -hmm. it's hard to really expand out because then you know like you said we're a new business so new business means small small salary budget Mm -hmm. so 
we just have to work around the clock and we just really hustle um, together. I saw something that you, uh, you sleep with your laptop under, under your pillow. Is that true? That is so true. Sometimes not even under my pillows, right next to me. <laughs> Sometimes I just open it up before I open my eyes. When my eyes are open, the screen is like, hey, good morning. <laughs> it's your, your teddy bear. So you're, so you're, I take it, I, I find in talking with a lot of these, a lot of entrepreneurs that it's like, you know, it becomes, it's all encompassing. Like, would you say that you are like a workaholic and this sort of, you know, how do you, Maybe the question is, how do you balance, you know, your work responsibilities with your life? Or is there really not a delineation between those two? You know, what? that's funny because I try to, I try to, um, I try to like break up, break it up or, mm-hmm. or walk away, but it's kind of really hard. And it's so funny. I was having this conversation yes, last night and it was like, we talk about the business, the champagne a lot. And I was like, that is me right now. Like, this is a huge transition for me from leaving a consistent salary, a consistent good salary, mm-hmm. a, a, a stable career to the world of entrepreneurship. So that's what I know right now. And I do balance. I do make time for me. I try to make time for me. Sometimes it might just be, you know what? I'm just going to lay down. Mm-hmm. When I get up, I get up because I'm an early riser. I'm up by like four o'clock in the morning. On my oh, own. I don't need an alarm. I don't need an alarm clock. So I'm up. <laughs> And I'm percolating. Like now, it's like 6.30. I'm getting sleepy because I've been up since like literally like 4.30. I haven't had a nap all day. And I've been yeah. out. So I get up in the morning. I have calls. I do a little gardening in my backyard as my me time. And then I'm just on the go. And, you know, in the office, working, emails, getting stuff together, seeing where we're behind that, making sure inventory is up. Are we answering all of these emails? Because we get minimum 200 emails a day. Jeez. So we try, I try not to let emails roll over more than one business day. So which means we all have to look because they come in the middle of the night. My biggest phobia every morning is like, how many emails came in while we were sleeping? <laughs> we're all here in New York. So it's just like everybody has different time zones. Right. So I'm like, everybody probably has conked out at midnight. From midnight, nobody's looking at emails. Yeah. How many are we waking up to? So that's what I always look at. It's crazy. You're in, it, it is a, it's crazy now that we're in like a global world where everything's connected and you're, I'm sure you're working with people in France, you're working with people in New York. I'm sure you're working with people all over the, the world. And it, there's no, there's no necessarily like off switch in, in the, the business world when it's like that. No, it's not. Um, maybe I guess like, you know, you've, you've kind of really, I, it sounds like gotten some really initial, like great traction and it's, it's pretty amazing the, the press that you've been able to pick up. Um, you know, what are, obviously you want to open the, the bar, but like, what are the goals for the brand long-term? Like, where do you want, where do you see it being five years, 10 years, 25 years? Um, like, what is your sort of dream scenario of where you, where you take the brand? I want the brand to grow tremendously. You know, like right now, this year, we were talking about 20, 2021 consumption. Like what's going to be our max orders? Mm-hmm bottles i would say like what are we producing for 2021 year like it has to be increased from what we estimated because i didn't envision the brand taking off so fast two i want to be across the united states by the end of 2021 like i want to be we have what do we have 50 states or 51 states 50 states technically we have 50 states right see it's a trick question technically it is so you're like puerto rico you throw it in there i don't know exactly mexico isn't mexico a state technically I don't, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to keep track anymore. 
All right, so technically we have 50 states. So by the end of 2021, I honestly want to be in at least 45 states. Oh, wow. Okay. And how many states are you in right now? Um, we're licensed for wholesale in two states. So we got a long way to go. Okay. So that's my goal. I like that. That's the bar high. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And is, I, I know you sell, so like right now, obviously you're, you're in a couple of states and I see you can sell online as well. Like where are the bulk of your sales coming from? at least early on in this kind of first wave of, uh, of interest. West coast. West coast. Yeah. West coast. And do you have connections over there? Or is it just like, that's where it started to take hold? I think people are reading and, and just saying they're interested and they want to try out the brand. Hmm. Interesting. And how is the, how has the response been? Like, obviously you're Brooklyn born and raised and it's kind of, you know, a really, it, while it is like a global, you know, national brand, it has this great like local feel to it as well um, mm-hmm. with sort of your story. Like how has the support been in, you know, your local neighborhoods from your family, your friends from growing up? Like what has that support been like? It's been tremendous. Like, um, you know, I, this is my second, maybe my third true business, but like I have had so much support. Um, I have friends that I can bounce ideas off. My family's excited, you know, my friends, my non-friends, people I don't even know, I always get emails like, you know, good luck, you know, rooting for you. Like even some of the, I do like, I do read all the comments. I may not always have time to respond to them, like especially on Instagram, I do read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, you know I, I skim through them. I, you know, they're always great words of encouragement. So there'll be days, excuse me, encouragement. There'll be days where I don't have good days, where things are not panned out to what I wanted to achieve for the day. Or sometimes I'm just stressed out or, you know, you just frazzled. And those comments and the positive feedback is really what pushes me to kind of like, okay, let's do a U-turn. Let's try to fix it. So those comments, especially from your friends and your family is always going to support you Mm -hmm. regardless. Even if you have a terrible idea, your friends, your family, they are going to find a way to boost your confidence. It's true. It's true. Strangers are going to tear you down like you don't know what. They're going to rip you a new one. So the fact that I have good feedback, we have a, a, a part on our website where it's called testimonials as far as like how you tasted it. Mm-hmm. We don't edit it. It goes straight to the website. So whatever you say, it goes to the website. As long as it don't have any profanity in it, it'll go to the website. Yeah. So and all, it's good to see positive feedback from that. That's awesome. And you mentioned your family has been obviously very supportive. Like you've now launched a couple of businesses. Like how has your family been um, in supporting you in this venture? Because obviously this is like a big jump for you going from a very stable, you know, job in the world of finance to now kind of, you know, uncharted territories um, with this business and really something that's, uh, I would say, probably a very you know, unpredicted, unpredictable industry as well. I'm sorry, can you repeat the question? Like how is your, your, you know, you mentioned your family and, and they're, they've been great in supporting you. Like how have, how have they reacted now to you again, kind of making this shift from like a really um, structured financial industry to now like totally uncharted territory with, uh, you know, working in Champagne. You know what? They love it, but they always know like I'm a, I'm a go getter. I make things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of make the, like, that's my personality. My personality is I always figure things out. I can, I can have my back against the wall about to fall off the bridge on my tippy, tippy, tippy toes and I will find a way to pull myself back up. So that's like my personality. So they're not surprised, but it also is good to, for them to see it in action, building something from scratch and being like, oh, okay. 
So that's that, you know, like always get positivity, you know, always the proud of you, you're making waves, keep going, stuff like that. I like that. Yeah. I, I think I sometimes I, I wonder, I know it's not true, but it might be true. I'm like, I think my mom is the only one who actually listens to the podcast. And so it, it's, you, know, you still get the, you still get the love. So, and it's like, okay. You know, Hi they, mom, your they're son's gonna, great. They're going to they're gonna stay with me. So that's all you need. Um, okay. I'll, I got just a couple more questions. I don't want to keep you too long here. Um, but this is maybe kind of a random one, a couple random ones here to close it out. We'll have some fun. So there's obviously a lot of music, song lyrics about popping bottles, champagne, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. Your, your dream scenario, some artist writes a song about i, I want to make sure i'm saying this right stuyvesant 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 the different uh-huh. emphasis stuyvesant champagne any yeah. artist writes a song about your brand oh my who do you God. pick and why who do i pick oh my goodness oh my goodness i know who i would pick um and i'll tell you why i would pick him um I would pick Jay-Z because Jay-Z's from Brooklyn and Bedford Stuyvesant. That most likely won't happen, but- You um, never know, you never know. Um, but it would be Jay-Z because he's from Brooklyn and from Bedford Stuyvesant. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, all right, next question, still kind of same. We'll have some fun with this one. You get to pair, okay, we'll do two part question. You get to pair Stuyvesant champagne with any dish in the world, something you've had, something you haven't had. Like, what do you think meal it pairs best with? Oh, lobster. Lobster? Grand Reserve, Grand Reserve food and lobster, yeah. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I don't eat beef or pork, so um, it might be well. I don't, I've had it before together, so that's why I say it. Okay. Yeah, got to stick with, gotta stick with, uh, with what you know. That's not mm-hmm. a bad one, though. Lobster and champagne, you can't beat that. I just had it two weeks ago. It's delicious. Oh, I, I still got to get my first, my first lobster of the summer this year. Um, maybe just a, cu- a couple other things like, so if the packaging and the marketing, and I think like, you know, that's something that evolves as the brand evolves. Like, you know, I work, my day job is in, is in marketing and um, I'm curious, like your vision for the packaging one, first of all, is beautiful. Um, Thank you. Yeah do you do the like design work? Um, like how has that gone with sort of like setting the vision for what the brand looks like and kind of the, the voice and the look and feel of the, of the brand? Um, it actually is me. You're crazy talented. Uh, it's actually me. You know what it is, is like, I'm a new, I'm a new owner. I'm a new business owner, you know, small business. And we have to like, really keep our finances limited to what we spend our money on. So some things come to self doing it yourself mm-hmm. and it actually works, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it looks, looks beautiful. I hear you on that. Um, you mentioned, you know, kind of watching your finances and I always like to, I think this is an important thing to share and it's, I find there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, maybe not the most transparent about how they spend their money, but like, how has it been budgeting for you and, you know, have you taken outside funding to help support this? Like, how have you sort of bootstrapped this? Because I think there's a lot of different ways to grow a business. And, um, okay. you know, there's, there's no right way or wrong way. But I'm curious, like, how you've approached the, the finance side of this coming from a financial background, too. I have no outside money. I funded this business for myself. No loans, no anything. My personal money. So I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're living on just champagne only. <laughs> I only, yes, I'm broke. So what I say is I am very selective in where we take money and we spend it. And I mm -hmm. get upset. Sometimes we go, I go over the budget because I do have a certain lifestyle. Like for me, I like to think like if I put a brand out, I want it to reflect a little bit of me, right? Mm -hmm. One, the name comes from where I'm, where I'm, where I'm from. So that, re that reflects me. Me, I like nice things in life. So I want the bottle to look nice. Mm -hmm. And I don't care where you drink the bottle at. Well, I do care in legal terms, but you see something. Sometimes when I go into a, a wine store, I look at the actual bottle and the label. So that's sometimes what attracts it to, attracts me to a bottle. It's just like, again, being in a relationship. The, I mean, okay, people might not agree with me. The first time you meet a, a, a potential partner or somebody or when you're out with your friends or mm -hmm. whatever, you're saying, oh, that girl looks nice or that guy looks nice. So it's physical attraction. So I want the bottles to be physically attractive. It's and true. you zoom in, you look at it, you might buy it just based off of the bottle alone, or you might look it up while you're in the store and you might say, oh, it's got great reviews. Oh, this is, and go from there. Okay. I like, yeah, no, I mean, it's, the packaging is beautiful. I feel like you've really captured like a certain aesthetic that, you know, the, the brand sort of stands for. And, um, I, like I told you, I found your tweet. I like literally saved your tweet. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. And I've come back to it four months later. So you clearly, you got something, you got something that's sticky with you know what you're, what you're doing. Yeah. And we know we just got featured in Forbes this past weekend and also on wine enthusiasts. So we're, we're making moves. You're, I'm, I mean, amazing. Are you pitching yourself to these different outlets or are they coming to you? Like, how is that? Uh, like you've picked up a lot of press. I have, I, you know what? It's just, I guess our marketing, I don't have, I don't, um, I recently just started working with a PR firm, but it's just word of mouth spreading. We do a lot of our stuff on, um, Instagram mm -hmm. and people pick it up and follow it. Now I will admit I'm not, we're not the most active account on Twitter, but we're going to change that because Twitter is a great Avenue and we just kind of focus more on Instagram and Facebook. So we're, we, we've started at working on our Twitter account doing tweets. So we're going to pick the volume up a little bit more, keep people more, in tune with what's going on with Stuyvesant Champagne. Okay. All right. So we'll wrap it up with last question here. You get to toast. You get to have a toast with three people oh dead or alive in this whole world with Stuyvesant Champagne. Who are you picking? You know, somebody asked me this question. It's very similar. Oh, damn it. No, no, no. It wasn't <laughs> even with Stuyvesant Champagne. They said, if you could have breakfast with somebody dead or alive, who would it be? So one... It would be my grandmother, so she can see what what you know I've put together. Um, two, um, who I will say Chrissy Teenigan because I just like her. She's so funny. And okay. I know, she, I know she like bubbles. And then um, who a third person that I follow? I'm trying to think who am I enthused with. I would say Eric Clapton because I like his music. Ooh, that's a good combo. Grandma Chrissy Teigen and Eric Clapton. I I'd go to that dinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> I go to that dinner. Well, Marvita, thank you so much. This has been an awesome interview. I guess maybe to close, like if people want to look you up, want to find you, want to buy your champagne, where, sh where should you point them towards to kind of get their hands on your product or keep up with what you're doing? I would say go to our website at www.stuyvesantchampagne, S-T-U-Y-V-E-S-A-N-T, champagne. From there, you know, you can find all information. We have a really clear, concise website and also our social media links are directly on the website. 
So you can just click on there and it'll take you right to our Instagram, Facebook, and soon to be Twitter account. We're going to add a Twitter account. I love it. All right. Well, we'll get that all linked up so people can come and buy your, buy your champagne. I'm going to try and get my hands on some. Um, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing and I'm this. I'm going to send this you was- the recipe card. I'm yes, good- you have to. Yeah, I need to, maybe I'll, maybe someday I'll get my own page in the book, but we'll still, we'll start small here. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll <laughs> is a wrap on this week's episode of Destination Different with Marvina Robinson of Stuyvesant Champagne. She was just, I mean, she was just delightful. Absolute pleasure talking to her. I I come off some of these conversations and I'm like, wow, I'm just riding a, I'm riding a high. And she certainly gave me that feeling. I'm like, I I gotta be better because she's being better. Um, So, incredibly thankful to have had the chance to chat with her to meet her um hear her story i think it was inspiring entertaining i have no doubts that there will probably be bottles of stuyvesant all over the country you know she mentioned in the interview songs with jay-z you know she'd love for jay-z to put her brand in a song i wouldn't be shocked i think it could happen um so awesome interview again huge thanks huge huge thanks to marvina for coming to join the show um, and that's all we've got for this week. We're going to keep, keep pushing this thing forward. I'm excited, uh, about, you know, some of the things that I've got planned for this summer. Um, excited about the, the prospect of some of the guests that I'm, I'm hoping to have lined up. Uh, but really, if nothing else, I just enjoyed doing the show because I get a, I get a high and I get a sense of enjoyment and excitement and, inspiration from talking to these talented entrepreneurs and creators and um marvino was was no exception this week so with that we talked about in the show marvina and stuyvesant are going to start their own twitter account so we have social media accounts now too and i want you to as soon as you hang up this little episode here hop on over to twitter punch in destination diff and you'll find us and you'll hopefully follow us um, because we need to keep growing this. We need to keep sharing these stories. I'm excited about what these people are sharing. I hope that if you know it gets out into the world that some other people will be excited about it as well. So that's it for this week, June 10th. That's a wrap in the books. Another episode of Destination Different. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. That makes sense. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Yeah, that makes sense. We'll be back again next Wednesday with another episode. Until then, I'm wishing you health, happiness, all that good stuff. And most importantly, stay weird. I had a dream. You gave me superpowers. We fell in love. For just a couple hours I can't tell the difference Between what's fake and what's been missing Often I'm misunderstood So I'm looking for a better me This is your love song, baby